Hello, everyone. My name is Elizabeth, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Entry Level Adulting Podcast. I wanted to share something with you all today before we jump into a new episode of the podcast, Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. At Entry Level Adulting, our goal is to share tips and tricks that we've learned as we navigate the confusing world of adulting. We've covered topics from finding your first job to accountability, men's self-care, taxes, budgeting, and more. You can find the podcast, blog, and social media all on the website, entryleveladulting.wixsite.com slash podcast. That's entryleveladulting.wixsite.com slash podcast. And now I am pleased to introduce the next episode of Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. So let's say a young professional is being ghosted by a recruiter. Let's say that a candidate has actually reached out to a recruiter, Mm -hmm. but the recruiter does not respond back. What can they do? Or they suspect that they're being ghosted. Uh, well, well, gird your loins because it's going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, first off, it sucks. Yep. It's sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it happens. Hello, everyone. I'm Caspi Bias, and welcome back to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. Guys. Guess what? We've made it to season three. Yes. How's everyone feeling? Everybody doing all right? I know the show ended its second season around this time last year, and um, we've been on hiatus ever since. Starting back up again, I also know that there are a new set of young professionals out there who have recently entered adulthood. You may be a recent high school grad, a recent college grad, or you're just trying to figure out how to be an independent adult. Either way, I cannot wait to bring you guys along with me into this new season. Now, I know that with all you recent grads out there, there may be quite a few who are trying to land that first job out of school around this time. Getting a job after graduation can be difficult. You guys know from my previous episodes, especially season one, episode one, how to find a job with my friend Randy Betts. Check it out if you have the chance. So hopefully this episode will help you guys with that search and motivate you to keep your heads up. In this episode, I am asking a recruiter a series of rapid fire questions. That recruiter is Emery Tarpkin, a senior global talent partner at ACAST. Emery is a former accountant turned recruiter. He is here to share tips on how to land that first job out of school. Emery will be talking about applying online what to do if you're asked to complete a writing test for a potential employer, what to do if you feel like you're being ghosted by a recruiter, and he even shares words of encouragement to those who haven't just quite found a job yet. And if you haven't already, check out the new Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias animated series. There, you can review a few captivating moments from each episode in animated form. Check out the description section for a link to the series. Emery, welcome to Adulting 101 with Casty Bias. All right, Emery. So um, we're having a little bit of a, I guess like a rapid fire question episode where I've asked listeners to submit questions. So I'm just going to go down the list. Uh, sure. So the first question that I have here for you is, are direct applications to online job listings seen as lesser candidates compared to candidates who are sourced by a recruiter? Ooh, that's a good one. 
coming in hot. (laughs) And I want to say that if I don't get to, we don't get to every question based on whatever time we have. Like I, I, people connect me on LinkedIn. I love to just talk to people either way. So it's all good. So both are still valuable. And frankly, I don't care who the hiring manager picks as long as the hiring manager like assesses objectively and makes a decision that's going to be fair and balanced. The next question that I have here, Mm -hmm. do you have any tips for those who want to pivot into another field, but they either just have volunteer experience within that particular field or no experience? Yeah. I'm just going to throw something else in here as well. And they aren't looking for an internship that is unpaid. Yeah. I think it's tough. Like, I know I did. I did it. Like, I I switched total careers. I think Mm -hmm. the first tip is assessing what the role is that you want, what the the company or the team or the function is that you want to get into. Like, actively look at it. Look at their expectations. Look at what they'll be doing. Look at the, like, line managers and, like, clients, whatever it may be. Look at the role. And then look at yourself and see where there are matches. Like, can I do that? Look at the job description. Look at the, the sort of like projects that they'd be, they'll be doing. People love to post their projects on LinkedIn. Look at those sort of things, right? To see like, yes, I have the same sort of transferable skills because you'd be surprised the transferable skills that you have that can transfer into another role. Now, you have to accept and admit that there are things that you don't know and you haven't done because it's a different function. So, like, how do you get those? One of the best things to do is there's a lot of meetups. There's a lot of, like, uh, groups, group events that you can send virtually and in person. And also connecting with people with LinkedIn. I know we spoke about this. Like, when you connect with people on LinkedIn who are in the roles that you want, don't discriminate on, like, levels. Somebody could be just getting in it a year or two. They still know more than you because you've never done it. You can look at somebody who's, like, entry level. You can look at somebody who's senior. You should connect with every single one of those persons and find, like, 20 minutes to talk to every single one of those people and take as many notes, ask as many questions as possible. But what I do say that when you want to connect, when you want to leverage that uh, relationship building opportunity, come at it from a place of intellectual curiosity and humility. Like, don't just say, hey, I need to talk to you because I want to be like you, but rather like what you do and your background is impressive. And I would love to know how you got there and what tips you get, you may have for someone like me who would get there. Third thing is the consistency. I, I get frustrated when people think, oh, I can get, I, you know, I seen, I seen this one person transition into this role in like two months. And that's a lie. Don't trust that. Don't believe that. It takes work. It takes a lot of reach out. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot mm-hmm. of information gathering, a lot of relationship building. And that could take time. It could be one month, two months, three months, four months, a year. It could take time, but just consistently be added. I guess the fourth thing is, you know, when you get to a certain point of seniority, you can't take a step back. Like if you're used to making 200,000 and you need to make 200,000, you can't come down to an entry level role in another field making 60 because you've already come to that point. So it, it, well, you can, but it'll be hard for you to do that. The theme of the point that I'm trying to make is that you should feel comfortable, maybe possibly taking a cut to get to a field that you want to be in that you feel you'd be more happy in. Because I say that when you make a transition, you're going to be happy. And when you're happy in a role and you're good in a role, the money comes quick. So next question for you. If someone is looking for a management level job, Mm. what is the best way for them to get such a role at another company? Is it a stretch manager role? 
like you never manage directly or you are you are a manager and you transition into another manager. If you're already a manager, make sure in your resume and in whatever outreach you make, you <laughs> list how many direct reports, you list whatever, um, how you've propelled your team to success, you've, um, what projects you've accomplished, how many people on your team has been promoted that showcase how good a manager you are. Like the title manager is two ways. Either you manage your product or a process or you manage people. Some people have the title manager who manage process, but they suck with the people, people, the people part. Mm-hmm. But like a manager in my mind, someone who knows how to connect with people, build people up, um, move the process along. So if you're a manager who is looking for a manager position, know all of those things. I mean, people you've developed, your stakeholders, what you've done successfully. Now, if you are a person who has not managed people and is looking for a management positions, then you need to note everything, exactly the same things I mentioned, mm-hmm. but it has to be very clear that they might, while not direct reports, you may have led through influence. You've maybe led several projects where you've had to manage stakeholders and people. You may not have had direct reports, but you may have been a team lead. Um, okay. Like people need to feel that and feel comfortable with that sort of information. That's how you can make that transition into manager. What if you've only managed like a few people, give or take, and the position is looking for like, oh, have you managed like a whole bunch of like 50 plus people? Well, then I think that's you come you, you jumping out the window with something you're not really qualified to do. If you only manage like two or three people, you would be overwhelmed managing 50 people. I take baby steps. Like, so Meta, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. So like, if you're trying to go from two people at a small spot to like one of them, they will eat you alive properly. Even, I don't care how good you think you are. The they metric. will eat you alive. I'm not saying don't apply, but then you need to, right, you right. Need to showcase. Yeah. Like, you got to make it as illustrious as possible without lying. So it sounds like it would be good uh, for somebody in, in that type of position. More of like wor- working with smaller companies or startups would be good at, as far as like overall next step. Yeah. Next question from our listeners. Companies are interviewing people and asking candidates for their ideas, but it seems like they're doing it for free. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on this, and how exactly should candidates proceed once they get a a, a yeah. type that type of request? When a place kind of gives me an assignment, depending on the place, like if I know I definitely want it, I won't. If I don't really care for it, or if it's like a eh, y'all reach out to me, I'm not really stressing like that. I won't do it. Like I'm not doing it because it's free work. I'm giving you free work. I'm doing your job right. for you, especially as a recruiter. I'm. I'm showing you how to build out a strategy to find a candidates that you might be struggling to find mm-hmm. right now. So I just did at least two hours worth of work for nothing. Mm. So I don't like that. Um, yeah, that's great. Two hours. If it takes me two hours, sometimes they want me to build a deck and I got to present it. And like, right. yeah, that's like, that's like, that's like a hundred dollars right there. Like give me, you know, <laughs> give me some type of gift card or something for that. But, and then you don't even get the position or sometimes oh, you don't this, even get the position. You're like, can I have my, if I, I swear to God, if I go to that, if I do a presentation, that means I got the job. Like, I basically showed y'all I, I could do it. Like, on some arrogant, like, watch this stuff. Like, you anyway. um, But I'm not fully opposed. I'm not against it fully. Like, if you're a writer, they want to see a writing sample. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you're a builder, they want to see a sample. Or if you're a coder, they want to see you do some write script right then and there. I'm not opposed. Sense. There should be some like that validity or proof that this is like the last stage and decisions will be made. And if they don't get the job, they need solid feedback as to why not. So I would push back to say, I want to know, is this the last step? And who will be involved? Who will be here to look at this? Because I, I want decision makers to be there. Um, and I want to know the last step. Like, because a candidate has but so much power, right? So they can't say, look, all right, all right if um, I'm doing this in two hours, are you paying me? Are you giving me a gift card? Are you giving me lunch? Like, you, it's kind of tough to say that, but I think it's fair to demand to understand where am I in the process? How many times should you follow up after a job interview? And how Ooh. should you phrase your follow-up messages? Mm. A recruiter should, if I, if I say I'm going to get in touch with you within a week, I'm, I'm supposed to get in touch with you in a week. And if I don't, follow up. I say weekly. Weekly is nice enough. You know, more than a week can get a little bit, all right, now, you know, stalkery. So weekly. <laughs> and then I have this one um, person. She is great. I wish we could hire her um, right now. But we're, um, you know, we're not really hiring as much as we were. Like, well, most places. She keeps track of us in the news and she'll bring up a note like I saw this in the news this is really great the things you're doing by the way any updates on the role like you want to be here I know that um so yeah things like that like bringing out something that you saw this is fantastic I saw this but a weekly follow-up or just say hey recruiter just checking in um just want to check in if there's any updates on the position really excited to join the organization or move forward the next step so you know any updates you can provide be greatly appreciated Hope to hear from you soon. Have a good rest of your day and weekend. I mean, what I just said is as clear cut cookie cutter as possible and it works. So let's say a young professional is being ghosted by a mm-hmm. recruiter. Let's say that a candidate has actually reached out to a recruiter, mm-hmm. but the recruiter does not respond back. What can they do? Or they suspect that they're being ghosted. Uh, well, well, gird your loins because it's going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, first off, it sucks. Yep. It's sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it happens. So I think sometimes I've had a, I had a recruiter who I reached out to and I didn't hear from them. Yo, I had a place that was just screwing me over and then declined me. And I was like, was I really being interviewed for a real role or was I a diversity candidate? Right. But um, and it wasn't real, like one of them banks. But hmm. one time I had a person you know, and they had like some family emergency. So I didn't send anything more than once a week. And after two weeks, they got back to me. Mm-hmm. So if you send, I say, two emails after two, after two, move on. I know I really want to go there. I really want to go there. Mm-hmm. Maybe coordinator is probably your safest bet. Reach out to the recruiter, maybe ask the, the coordinator, where are things? But then mm-hmm. maybe put the bug in their ear of the people that you interviewed that you felt it went well, like, of the interviewing team, reach out to them. Hey, I I just wanted to follow up and share. I really enjoyed our conversation. Look forward to move, looking forward to um, next steps. Um, just waiting on feedback from uh, the recruiter. But I, I, I hope to stay connected with you. Like, don't ask them anything. Just say, hey, here's where I am. But I still want to keep in touch with you. But you have a very tight window of that with, before you start seeing the stalkerish. Well, uh, well, Marie, that um, that actually brings me to my last question. 
what's one question that you wish I'd asked you about um, asking a recruiter and how would you, how would you have answered? Um, hmm, how long does it, what's the general like timeline for somebody to get a new job? People ask me that question and I get so frustrated by it because everyone's different. Yeah. Like it could take a month. It could take three months. It could take six months. It could take eight. That's how long it took me for my first position. That was fun. <laughs> but, but what I say is the patience, the mm-hmm. consistency and the patience. So like you can't look and say it should take a month. Well, my friend got this job and only did it in two months. Like, but you definitely bring up a good point there. And, and that actually reminds me too of um, back when I was applying for different roles coming out of school. So mm-hmm. I was coming out of school and I was like, oh, yeah, we got this. uh, We not only have this bachelor's degree, but we got this master's degree. We just Mm -hmm. finished school. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, we're good to go. But I do see it being quite difficult to continue to be positive um, when you see like on social media, your friends uh, are getting those different opportunities. And you're constant. And there's like few points in times where you're getting a few interviews here and there from companies and those companies are saying like, Oh, we've got a whole bunch of other people to interview for one opportunity is lost. They pick somebody else. Another opportunity is lost to pick somebody else around that period of time. I was just like, cry. It came, came to like crying every day um, or just like moving around like a zombie, not really thinking about it and about different stuff anymore. In that time period, I looked more toward keeping myself, keeping myself busy. Yep. I was volunteering at different types of uh, in different types of activities that I thought would help me gain mm-hmm. experience within my resume. So I did that as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it can be um, be a downer. Yeah, but you have to keep going. And also, I, I listen. I stopped following. I don't. Well, my social media is really only for sneakers, sports, food, and video games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't follow people. I don't follow my friends because, you know, those braggadocious things that they're posting. I put a limit on my social media, LinkedIn and Instagram. And I don't have to, I, don't, I have Twitter, but I, I put a limit on it because what, what ends up people doing is they're comparing people's highlight reel to your behind the scenes story. Yep. I hate LinkedIn. I hate some of it sometimes. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I got an offer at Meta. Look at my swag. We made it, you know, and then you might get laid off in six months. Like people forget that people. They may not like it there. It may not be great, but they got to showcase. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. They got to show it off. And it's silly. And so there's a call that detriment. But you don't know how many jobs that person applied to. You don't know. The, you don't know the back end work. You don't right. know. The, you don't know nothing. I had seven years of what the heck am I going to do? And then I had like a good two years where I was like freaking out, scared, depressed, sad. And so this is why I like having these conversations where I can help people. Because I know that feeling more than people can probably think they know. Like, why do you mind talking to people? Because I know how it feels. I know how it feels. So I graduated college in 08. And all my friends are going to like the big four. Um, I didn't like accounting. My ADD presented itself. I graduated college with a 267. The only reason I got the job I got was because my boy from high school hooked me up at his bank that he got an offer at. And so I got the offer and I, at 45K, I was just happy to have it, but I hated it. I didn't like it. I wasn't good at it. Bounce job, bounce jobs, bounce job. I ended up at one more bank and the assignment was, it was a contract and the assignment was ending. So you talk about crying, like, mm-hmm. mind you, I got married at 25, so I was young. Um, you know, I'm supposed to be the man in the house. Uh, I'm about to, I'm not making enough money. All these other people are having these decent jobs and I'm like sitting here like 
crying like at night, stressing out like, oh, my God, I need to find a job that I can do because I can't keep going into accounting jobs and failing. What will I do? Fast forward, I wasn't I was no longer working at the bank. Um, I actually sold uh, security systems for a brief moment. So I was like, I just need a job. And I heard ADHD and sales are good. So I just needed a job, but I hated it, though. And so I had a friend. He's like, hey, Emery, I need sales recruiters. I said, you want to get into recruiting? So he offered me a job. I somehow, and I, I interviewed, I somehow got a job. I had to use my own computer. I had to use my own house phone. Um, it was trash. But I learned what recruiting was. I was like, okay, I like this. And then I transitioned to an agency. And if you don't know what an agency is, an agency is like a Robert Half, a tech system. I can say those names. Like Those are agencies, tech systems, Aeros, um, Apex Systems, Rostad, all of them. So I worked at one of those, but a really small firm, really small firm. And I was a kid. Everybody was like old, but they taught me how to recruit. Just be patient with yourself. And use my wife. She's been a teacher for almost like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Homegirl is good. She knows what she's doing. And so for her to interview at a job and doubt herself, I get angry. I don't mean to. I get angry at her. It's like, how dare you talk so negatively about yourself? When you clearly have been doing it, even as a fresh out of school grad, you graduated college. College sucks. College is hard. You finished it. You the baseline is you are as good as your resume dictates. You are not under it. You are not comparing yourself. You are good because you've done this work. You've done this expertise. You have this expertise. You deserve this. You know, everybody's path is different. Everyone gets there, but finding people who are sympathetic and who help is one of the biggest things and being and just understanding that it takes time. Um, you'll get there. You'll get there. Thank you, Emery, so much for coming on to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. I'd like to hear from you all as we continue with season three. What do you want to chat about? Who do you want me to bring onto the show? Feel free to reach out at caspielbias at gmail.com. Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias is a production of C Bias Productions, LLC. For more episodes, visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.